Today, as we conclude our series, The Journey, I hope that you've been encouraged as we've gone through this, this series to look at everything in the context of the gospel. Why do we read the word? Why do we pray? Why do we have fellowship with one another? You know, as we do all those things outside of the context of the gospel, it's very easy to miss the whole point. It's very easy for us to, to fall into pharisaical tendencies just to read the word for more and more and more knowledge and to totally forget about the gospel. But when we read God's word, looking for God to reveal things to us in our lives so that through us, other people's lives can be touched and transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ and makes it all the more interesting. I hope that as we've come to the tale at the conclusion of this series and we've looked at how we can experience the Holy Spirit, that you've been encouraged. You've been encouraged to recognize that you know, we can experience the Spirit, especially through the spiritual gifts that God has given us. That, that a unique way to be touched by the Spirit, to experience the Spirit, to, through other people's gifts, to, for us to experience the Spirit as we come together as the body of Christ. And I hope that you've been encouraged through that process. As we conclude today, I want us to see one more thing, is how we can experience the Holy Spirit through the circumstances in our lives. You know, as we look at even circumstances, we need to remember the other things we've looked at, that God reveals himself through the Holy Spirit, through his word. And we always have to go back to his word, that even in our circumstances, that God's not going to contradict what his word says. But it is clear that God, through circumstances, will guide us. That, that he seeks to guide us into all truth in the midst of our circumstances. You know, and as, as we think through that, and even as you push, push rewind on your life, perhaps you've seen how God has used circumstances to move you along specific pieces of your journey as God has redirected you. Maybe you've heard of the story of, of two young missionaries who went into a town and, and there was a girl who was demonic, uh, demonically possessed, and they, through the power of the Holy Spirit, cast out this demon. Yeah, so they're doing things according to the Holy Spirit. And guess what happened to them? They ended up in prison for doing what God has asked them to do. Now, I don't know about you. If you went on a missions trip and you got there and you saw God do something miraculous and you ended up in prison, what you would do. But I don't think it would be what these two guys did. As they got thrown in the prison, they praised God. Now, we'd be thinking, you drank the water. Maybe they drank something else that was there besides the water. What, are you crazy? Yeah, they were. You know, part of it is because their perspective, their perspective was that even though that we have ended up in prison for this, we are eagerly anticipating what God is going to do. And so they, throughout the night, they're, they're, they're thrown in prison, they're locked up in chains, they're praising God, they're praying, they're praying out loud to him, they're singing these songs at the top of their lungs, everybody's probably thinking that they're drunk, and guess what God does? He glorifies himself in the midst of their circumstance. He sends an earthquake. And through the earthquake, the jail doors go flying open. Their chains are broken. And the jailer who's on guard there knows that if they escape, the, the Romans are going to kill him anyway. And so he's about to fall on his sword. And guess what? Paul and Silas, if you haven't figured out, are the two missionaries. And they say, hey, don't do that. Let me tell you what's going on. And they lead him to Christ. And then guess what happens? He says, you got to come tell my whole family. So they go home with them and they lead the whole family to Christ. You see, God chooses to work in the midst of our circumstances if we will allow him through the power of the Holy Spirit and we will yield to him and actively look for how he wants to glorify himself. I believe he'll do it just as much today as he was in the New Testament. But we need to look for it. We need to train ourselves to 
to be able to think through those things and look for how God wants to maneuver us and guide us in the midst of circumstances. And so as you look for that in your life, I want to give you a few principles to, to be able to remember. The first is this, that just because there is an obstacle in your life does not mean that God is saying no. That as you pursue to glorify God through what you're reading in the Word and you seek to make His glory known through, throughout the world, no matter where it is, whether it's in Williamsburg or in Israel, that you're seeking to make God's glory known and you look for God just because there's an obstacle doesn't mean that He's saying no. Matter of fact, it probably means He's saying yes. That when you are doing something for the kingdom of God so that God's glory can be made known, then it's a threat to the enemy. The enemy will do whatever he can to cease you from doing what he's calling you to do, what God is calling you to do. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you, you look at this, this is Paul talking about his time in Ephesus, you know, and he's, he's writing back to the, the, the church in Corinth, letting them know what's, what's going on. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8 through 9, I want you to see this work out in Paul's life. Verses 8 and 9 says this, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And then look at the rest of what he says. And there are many adversaries. Now I want you to notice what he did not say. Hey, look, there's all these adversaries, and even though I thought that God was opening up this door for me, I need to get out of here. And No, he doesn't do that. He knows that God has opened up this door. He knows that there's adversaries there because God has opened up the door, and he's writing back to those in Corinth, and he's saying, hey, pray. Pray that God would have the victory. And we need to look for that in our lives as well, but as we seek to do what God is calling us to do and there's opposition, don't automatically assume that God is saying no. It's probably that God is saying yes and the enemy is threatened. On the other hand, just because there is an open door does not necessarily mean that it's God's will. We looked at this about a month ago as we were looking at how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that just because there's an open door and a way to go does not mean it's saying God is saying walk in it. Remember, remember um, Jonah, right? He's like, God's saying, go to Nineveh. He's like, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. And, and so he goes down to, the, to see if he can get a ticket on the ship. Sure enough, there's a ticket, and so he goes. Well, that wasn't God's will for him, as we know the rest of the story. So just because there's an open door doesn't mean that God's saying to walk through it. You know, in a similar fashion, uh, in, in this prosperity gospel that is so popular in our world today, especially in our country today, you know, people get in this mindset that God wants me to be happy. You ever heard that one? You ever see it in the Bible? I haven't. And so they, they come to this conclusion that God desires for me to be happy, and I just need to have faith to be happy. And you know what? My spouse is making me miserable, and God wants me to be happy, so I need to get rid of them. We'll find that in God's Word. Just because there's an open door, the culture says it's okay, does not mean that it's God's will. And we need to be careful that we don't think that just because the door is open that we're supposed to walk in it. No matter what the circumstances are, we need to test it with what God's word says. Go to other mature believers and ask them what they think, you know, so that we're making sure that we're hearing from God. Now, here's the other thing that I want to give you, just another caution as you're seeking to see how God might be speaking through your circumstances, and it's this. You're not always going to understand what God is doing. And so as you go through these circumstances, don't assume that you're going to be able to figure out every little detail. You know, why is God doing this? Why is God doing that? I'm stuck at this traffic light. Does that mean God's... 
you're not going to figure out what God is doing. Sometimes you will. Isaiah said this in chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. Now get this. How high is that? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are God's thoughts above your thoughts. And his ways above our ways. And so to assume that we might even be able to figure out what God is doing in the midst of our circumstances is ridiculous. And so we just need to know that God is in control, that God's thoughts are way above our thoughts, and to proactively be looking for how might God be glorifying himself in the midst of my circumstances. I think Paul and Silas got that. Here they go into prison for, for doing something for the sake of God. But I think they were so eagerly anticipating what God was going to do that they were worshiping him in the midst of being thrown in prison, and then God showed up in a way that everybody knew what was going on. Imagine the story that they had afterwards. Imagine the story that others had afterwards of, of what was going on. You know, did Job understand what God was doing in his life? Did he try to understand? Mm -hmm. Did his friends try to understand? Mm -hmm. And how far did that get him? It messed them up, right? They, the conclusions that they came to weren't even close. Matter of fact, it wasn't even between God and Job. It was between God and Satan, right? Satan had come to God and said, look, if, if you let me do this and this and this to him, I'll show you he'll, he'll turn from you. It wasn't even about Job and God, but God was using circumstances in Job's life to glorify himself. How might God be using circumstances in your life to bring himself glory? Here's the catch. We have to yield to God's working in our lives in order for him to glorify himself. If we resist it, we create this roadblock for God's glory to be revealed. You know, there's things that happen in our lives that we do. There's things that happen in our lives that are a result of other people's sin. And I want you to understand this, that God still works through other people's sin. God will still glorify himself as a result of other people's sin. It's important for us to remember and understand that our sin affects far more people than you. Sin is not personal. Sin affects a lot of people. Every sin that you commit affects a lot of people. Turn with me to Numbers. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 18. first part of this verse is great. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty. Now listen to this. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Your sin will affect your kids. Your sin will affect your children's children. And your sin will affect your children's children's children. On the flip side of that, some of you are struggling with some generational sins that have been passed on to you from your parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents that you are suffering the consequences of. Some of us are, we have wounds 
that are at the hands of other people's sins. You did nothing to deserve what had happened to you. It's the result of other people's sin, and now you have this incredible wound that has been inflicted upon you, and you've been bearing this for so long. But God still works in the midst of other people's sin. It's easy for us to blame our current circumstances on others and the sin of other people. And it's easy to forget that God is still all-powerful. It's easy to forget that God still wants to glorify himself even though those people did whatever it is that they did to you. Romans 8.28 is probably one of the best-known verses in all the Bible and probably one of the least understood verses in all the Bible. That It says this, and we know for those who love God that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Do you really believe that? In the midst of the bondage of sin that has weighed you down and the sin of other people and the wounds I put on your life, do you really believe that all things work together for good? You know, it doesn't look like that in most churches. We come in and we're bearing so much. We forget about this one. It might be in your life that all things work together, but you know what? I don't feel that way. So let's, let's do a little etymology on the word all, right? I'm not big into telling you what the Greek word means, but you want to know what the word all means in the original language? Are you ready? You write this down. Everything. Every, every, everything. A-L-L. It means all. Got that? So now I know a Greek word. I love it when the Greek words are nice and simple. Everything works together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Even the damage done to your life at the hands of somebody else. All of it, God can use to glorify himself. We see it all throughout scripture. Look at Joseph. His brothers hated him. He was living for God. His brothers hated him. They beat him up. They threw him in a dried up well. Then they sold him. God used his circumstances to get him to Egypt. Why? Because God knew what was going to happen. And then he gets to Egypt, and he, and he gets bought by Potiphar. He's in a posh house. Couldn't have been much better than that. And then Potiphar's wife decides she wants to have his way with Joseph physically, and Joseph runs, and she lies, and he's thrown in prison. Two sentences in prison. The poor guy's just trying to live for God. His circumstances look like God could care less about him, but what did God do? God glorified himself in the midst of Joseph and saved his people. God wants to take the mess of your life, the mess of your past, and he desires to glorify himself through it at the hands of other people. And one last thing that I want to share with you is this thing, that God takes our past. The good, the bad, the stuff we've really messed up, and he glorifies himself in our present and our future. Yet most of us have never experienced that. Most of us are still bearing the weight of and the guilt of our sin from years gone by, from sin that's so entangled us so much now that we haven't had victory. But God wants to set you free. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 is another familiar verse that says that no temptation has overtaken you ex except that which is common to man. God is faithful, 
and he will not give you anything that you can't bear. He will not tempt you beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You may have been familiar with this verse, and yet you haven't seen God set you free and give you a way out from the temptation. Maybe the very way that God wants to set you free and get you out of the temptation is sharing a little bit of your mess with somebody else. Maybe God will bring you into somebody else's life who is so overwhelmed by their sin and God has given you just a smidgen of victory in your life that you get to share with them and now you get to walk with them and in the process of walking with them and bearing their burden that's the same as your burden God sets you free from what you've been struggling with for years after years after years maybe that's part of the way out that God has designed to glorify himself to set you free from the sin that you're walking with somebody else that has gone through some similar things Look, everybody here has problems. Everybody here has a problem with their self-image, and anybody who wants to say they don't have a problem with the self-image has a pride problem. We all look at other people and say, oh, I wish I had that. If I had that, then I'd be okay. We all look at ourselves and we doubt that we, we think that God messed up. Listen, God doesn't make any mistakes. He's created us exactly the way he wants us. And when we finally get comfortable with the way God wants us to be and we allow him to use us the way he desires for use, we'll see that God doesn't make any mistakes and he wants to glorify himself through our mess. How many of you would have benefited when you were younger going through the stuff that you went through in your life because of self-image problems and different things and the mistakes that you made because of that. How many of you would have benefited from somebody that was a little bit more mature than you in the church that came alongside that had the same problem and they walked through life with you? How many of you would have benefited from that? All of us, right? And we would have made a whole lot less mistakes. Well, we got a large group of kids up here that are going through all sorts of stuff and they think that they're the only person that's going through that. We got people in here that are so overwhelmed with their sin and so overwhelmed with their self-image that they're doing all sorts of things. Some are thinking suicide, some are cutting themselves, some are doing things that are harmful to themselves because they have no idea how to bear that burden. But some of you have been there. You've walked through that. But yet God hasn't glorified himself yet because you haven't allowed him to use you in somebody else's life. And what would it be like this morning if we fulfilled what Galatians 6, 2 says? To bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That if we would allow God to use the junk of our past and to connect us with somebody else in the church that is a little bit further behind where we are that is going through the same things that we have had some victory in, that we could bear their burdens and then so glorify God and see God set us free and set them free at the same time. We just celebrated communion. And the whole point of the communion is remembering what Jesus did. He paid the penalty of our sin so that we could be set free from the bondage of sin and the wages of sin with his death, but that we can have life and have it everlasting and have it abundantly. Well, part of that process is as we yield to the Holy Spirit in our life and he connects us with people in our lives, then we can truly experience what Jesus said in Matthew eleven thirty, 30, where he said this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A lot of people that are weighed down by the burdens that the enemy has heaped upon them. 
There's a lot of people that need to be set free this morning. There's some of you here that are struggling with addiction. Some of you are struggling with self-harm. Some of you are struggling with self-image that's so bad that you're ready to throw in the towel and take your own life. Christ didn't die for you to bear that burden. He didn't make us the body of Christ for an individual in the church to be bearing it by themselves. He called us to be one body together, to walk through life together, to do life together, to bear one another's burden so we can experience that Jesus' burden is easy and his yoke is light. But you know, the only way to bear one another's burdens is for us to start sharing a little bit more about what God's doing in our lives. If you don't tell anybody what's going on in your life, how can they possibly bear your burden? As we come to our song of invitation, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Two different things. If you've got a burden that has been weighing you down, maybe you're at the point this morning, you're done. Why don't you lay it at the foot of the cross? And say, Jesus, I'm tired of this. I can't bear it anymore. And I'm casting it at your feet. As we come to this final song, maybe you just need to come to the front and imagine that this is Golgotha's hill, that Christ is on the, on the cross, and you're just laying at his feet saying, I can't take it anymore. But here's the second thing I want some of the rest of you to do. As people come to the front of the church and they're trying to lay their burdens at the cross, I want you to be praying, asking the Holy Spirit to guide you. And as weird as this may sound, as you're looking at these people up here and you're praying for them, ask God, God, is there somebody up there that you want me to go put my hand on and pray for? And here's what I'm praying will happen, that as you do that, that as they're bearing their soul to God and you go down there, that the Holy Spirit has connected the two of you together because the very thing that they're trying to let go of is the very thing that God has already given you victory of. And the Holy Spirit, by his leading, is partnering you together to walk through life with them and to share the victory that God has given you over that sin and that burden. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through me, not through knowing what's going on in your lives, that I pull you together, but the Holy Spirit does it. How awesome would that be this morning? But see, here's the deal. It, it, it comes from all of us yielding. We've got a burden. We've got to yield and say, God, I'm giving it to you. And then we, the rest of us that maybe don't really have a burden this morning, we're saying, God, through your spirit, I'm asking you to partner me with somebody. And you go up and pray and just see what God does. God wants to speak to you through your circumstances, and he wants to glorify himself through your circumstances. Are you willing to let the Spirit move to set you free? To move to use your past for His glory right now in somebody else's life? I hope so. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful for 
what you've done for us on the cross. God, I'm so grateful that you are a God who loves us, that you are a God who cares for us, that you are a God who's paid the penalty to set the captives free. And so, God, I pray right now through the power of your spirit that you would lift the bondage off of us, the sin that so easily entangles, God, that you would obliterate it. But God, at the same time, that you would partner us up with somebody else who's going through things that you've given others of us victory over. And God, that we would see right now and experience right now how your Holy Spirit will work if we will yield to you. So God, we pray right now that your Spirit would commune with ours and the God that we'd be obedient to what he's calling us to do in Jesus' name. Amen.